Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment, and listen to something about the episode. If there's any follow-up questions or a particular guest or topic that you'd like us to have on the podcast, we're always checking comments on the, on there and love to hear from you guys and then be able to get them onto future episodes. Today, I'm going to be joined by Lenny Reed of Dynamite Diesel Products, and we're going to be chatting about black smoke um, inefficiency. His goal, not just his personal goal, but then also with Dynamite Diesel Products, is being able to use technology and data and experience to be able to really build the cleanest, most efficient injectors that are out there for trucks in the United States, Canada, even all over the world. So I wanted to get more of his thoughts on that, um, some things going on in the industry, and then what the future is holding for fuel injection on not just common rail trucks, but also, um, you know, mechanical injection, the Huey system, and uh, be able to make really the best choices we can when it comes time to be able to upgrade our fuel systems. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site wide code just for these podcast listeners. If you go to kershaw.kaiusa.com, use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site wide. It's a great way to save some money on some really cool gear if you need it for EDC or hunting, fishing uh, around the job site or even at home. One of their latest releases is the Duralock model, which they've got a bunch of different choices for blade shape and also handle designs and the blades made out of D2 steel. So if you're looking for a quality, affordable knife to be able to work hard every day, definitely make sure head on over to their website and use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Lenny Reed of Dynamite Diesel Products, talking about making diesel engines run more efficiently, getting rid of black smoke, and what the future is holding for ways that we upgrade our fuel systems on diesel trucks. We meet again on the uh, on the podcast, Lenny. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today and uh, catching up with you, talking diesel injectors, industry stuff, business stuff. So welcome back. Yeah, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. Good. I'm li- living the dream. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. Me too. It's, it's definitely somebody else's dream, not mine, but somebody's. I promise. Yeah. So, what have you been up to? Um, it's been busy, but UCC, we 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 showed up. We had a booth. I had uh, myself plus three salespeople in the booth. That was exciting because at times I looked down, and there was three guys next to me carrying on conversations with customers plus myself. And I thought, wow, I've never had a booth that's been this busy in at any event, not just UCC, but any event. So that, that felt really good. You know, there's bigger guys with bigger booths there and we had, you know, as much or more foot traffic. Uh, so that felt really good. I got to meet some customers from Australia that are there and I got to hang out and have dinner with them. That was great. It was, it's just nice to meet people from all around the world and, you know, have, this truck thing is if it's done correctly, like it's a lot of fun and you meet a lot of really good people. Um, and if it's done incorrectly, like I want to talk about that here in a little bit, but it can be ugly too. So, uh, I, UCC was awesome. We had uh highest horsepower of the event was one of our guys, Josh, he made like 2875. That was wicked. Good, nice and clean, you know, like under boost. Um, it's smoky. And as soon as the boost hits, it cleans up and it's just whisper clean, That's good. Um, And I really, there was so many guys in the sled pull stuff, like two, six and three inch. I couldn't name one because I would, if I name one, I feel like I'm going to forget a few. There was that many of those guys running our stuff. And that was really cool to see because 
whether or not you're buying our parts from us or from somebody else that's having the parts made here custom for them, I can now tell the difference coming out the stack. There's There was three, effectively, there was three pretty popular brands there. And I could see coming out the stack, this plume of smoke that was like just a steady black stream until boost. And I'm like, oh, that's brand X. And then I could see another brand that there was clean smoke, clean smoke, and it wasn't real defined, but that's, you know, brand Z. And then with our stuff, like we would see this like very sharp, intensely clean smoke ring leaving the stack until boost and then it cleans up and it's gone. That makes me super happy because this industry, the entire thing about this industry, the, the black eye is the black smoke. So our goal is going to be to try and just help all of our tuners and all of our racers out there, whether they're truck and tractor pullers, whether they're drag racers, whatever, anybody that's, you know, closed course racing, I want to get them to spool up faster and cleaner than any other brand on the planet and have more reliability with the engine and durability with the engine. Um, that's, that's my goal. And it's, it was awesome to go to UCC and see it physically happening right in front of me. That was great. Yeah. Cause we talked about it a lot on the podcast. I think the first time we chatted, maybe four years ago or so you were talking about it. And then I think to be able to see it at a, such a high competition level, that's one of the, the things that I thought about was, the things that you've talked to us and our audience about, I get to see at the track. Yeah. I get to see with these different trucks. So, um, you know, it definitely makes that connection, which I think goes back to technology and knowledge and then also the team and teamwork and precision and things like that. But that's one of the things you've really focused on for a long time. I mean, I, I'm sure for a really long time, but what stands out in my mind is at least the last three years talking about the investments and the things and the technology it, w would you attribute it to that? You know, cause I think of, yeah, maybe um, like, a, like a daily driver, you know, has its one set of issues, but then 2,800 horsepower, there's a whole other set. And so it probably shows if there are any weaknesses in knowledge or technology or manufacturing or precision, that's where you'd see it. You know, there's people that hate racing, right? There's just like groups of people on the planet that absolutely hate racing. And their problem is the fact that they're they're emotionally controlled and they're not logistically thinking. But every single, like you make one car and you've got one guy driving around town. You make two cars and now you have your first drag race. That happened. And then one of them cars gets wrecked. Now you have your first body shop. One of those cars needs a mechanical engine repair. Now you've got your first mechanic. A bunch of cars need cylinder heads re being rebuilt. And now you've got a machine shop. There is an industry of billions of dollars every year that goes into making this planet go around. Like when you haul milk, steak, donuts, coffee to the grocery store, you haul crops out of the field. You've got tractors, you've got combines. You cannot operate those batteries. Like crops grow, they mature. It's time to cut and harvest. You don't have the time to say, well, I'm going to run for seven hours today. I'm going to go plug this thing in and charge it up. And then I'm going to run for another seven hours. And I'm going to charge it up. They don't have that time because crops, they don't give you that time. Diesel's here to stay, period. But what I will say is I believe that diesel, in a mass production environment, there's probably a lot of R&D that could be done by every single manufacturer. They just don't have enough time to do it all because they've got shareholders, stockholders, and customers all waiting to make sure they can take care of their business, right? So whether you're Ford, Chevy, Dodge, John Deere, Komatsu, Caterpillar, like I don't think anybody that works in any of those companies would say like, yes, we've done every single science experiment that we've ever thought about trying to that engine before we release it. If it gas tests and it works and it's profitable, then it's gonna get sold. I'm looking at things that were made some of these trucks, like the, the real coal rollers, are basically dudes that are super ignorant and not stupid. They're ignorant because they don't know how to do it better. Stupid is knowing how to do it better and then still choosing to do it wrong. That's stupid. Um, ignorant is something that I'm going to try and overcome. So we are going to launch a new series of videos when with a first-gen Dodge, like a little old VE truck. And those things chronically 
brand new, they had idle haze. Well, I fixed that problem. And we're going to sh show people on the dyno that we can make smoke-free power with that VE truck better than just a brand new set of OEMs like injectors by just monkeying out the pump. So my challenge to myself and my crew is whatever horsepower we get to smoke-free, we're going to try and use factory parts and get to that same power level and see what the opacity and the smoke and the driving ability is like. Because for me, that drivability, if you've got 300 horsepower, but it's got wicked good throttle response, it might as well, you might tell people it's 500. But if you've got 1,000 horsepower with zero throttle response, you might as well tell people it's 300 because under the curve where you're constantly driving that thing, it's a 300 horsepower truck. Finally, when those big turbos light and boost hits, it's a wild ride for a minute. But most of the time under the curve, you're not using 1,000 horsepower. So the new series of videos we're going to shoot is just to show people like OEM factory parts, opacity, power levels, what we could do with them, and then aftermarket parts. And this is why our stuff is like better. And a lot of that better is it's the 3,000 horsepower UCC guys. When we can figure that out, all of the information, all the tools that it took to get them there reliably is stuff that makes a 500 horsepower daily, like easy. So yeah, we're, I'm poor. I'll never have money because I'm constantly going to be buying tools, but I'm going to help people create the most reliable and smoke-free vehicles on the planet. That's my goal. I'll be poor, but it's okay. I've got tools and they're cool. <laughs> the, uh, I made a connection there when you were talking about the first, the guy that had the first car and then seg car and then there's a drag race. And I think... <clears throat> Yeah, with the smoke part and I was at that stage a long time ago I remember when it was cool and there were YouTube videos way back when YouTube was still kind of new that was a cool thing to watch but ultimately and I think about it in a competitive environment so if I went to the track and I had I'll, I'll just say 625 horsepower and I race another guy and he's got you know 575 but it's smoky and I go and I beat him and my truck's clean I don't really care about the smoke. I care that my truck's faster than his because it means I did better, either better mm. racing, had better parts, had more experience. And I think it's just realizing that particular part of it where who wouldn't want to have a faster truck than your friend or go to test and tune and do better than somebody else. Um, and I think that's like the, I think that's the education part and, and the technology part as well, because I think there was a time you just cram as much fuel as you can to keep EGTs, you know, in a somewhat, you know, area under that you're comfortable. Yeah. And you and just go in a straight line under two K. Yeah. But if I can do that, like maybe it's my age. I don't know. It's just like, I just want to be faster than the guy next to me. I don't care how much, if there's less smoke and it's more reliable. Great. You yeah. know, that's, that's my bragging rights. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, uh, you know, this is, I'm going to make fun of smoke rollers, this whole podcast, because I've just, I've had it like, a good friend of mine is really getting in deep trouble right now. And I'm not going to mention company, company name, friend's name, but a good buddy of mine is actually in deep, deep, deep trouble right now. And uh, the guys that have, he's in trouble for deleting emissions devices. And the problem that I've always told you and everybody else, it's not really the 2018 or 2020 truck that got deleted that doesn't smoke that's the problem. It's the fact that the people that have the power, they see a 7.3 liter uh, power stroke with a nozzle that's way too big and garbage tuning, or they see uh, a 2000 Dodge truck with a with a edge comp box or some poorly tuned you know plug and play device. And all it's doing is just holding the injectors on for way too long. It doesn't really make any more power. If it would have shut the injectors off 500 microseconds earlier, make the same power, but it'd make like half or less than half the smoke. So it's, but those people, they don't understand that. All they know is there's something called the delete and they're tired of seeing the smoke. Me too. Me and a bunch of the mature people in my industry, we've been tired of seeing it for a long time because it causes so many other issues and it's gross. It makes my industry look uneducated and foolish 
And especially when you go to YouTube and you watch like a bunch of dudes out there getting hoodlum style in like a, a, a Lowe's parking lot. Like, why are you tearing up somebody's personal property? And how do you expect for the owner of Lowe's or the corporation itself to not show up to your city council meeting with lawyers and say, city, you're going to fix it or you're going to protect it, one or the other. But Lowe's has got a lot of lawyers. Home Depot's got a lot of lawyers. Target's got a lot of lawyers. And if they show up to city council, the only thing city council is going to do is be like, well, we know this term. It's, it's called delete. Go after everybody that's doing deletes. It's smoke. And I don't think that, you know, I'm a simpleton, right? Like, I don't necessarily think that we should be going after the guy. If, if somebody gets killed via pistol, like you're into guns, right? If somebody gets shot, you don't arrest the guy at Smith and Wesson. You don't arrest the guy at the gun store. You arrest the guy that pulled the trigger. Like that's who gets arrested, right? But in our world, we're going after the manufacturers and the retailers and not just diesel, but anything with anything can be used improperly. And you can stack it and blend it with a bunch of recipes that don't work. So it's not just a diesel problem. It's a gas problem too. But the gas guys, you don't see what's coming out their tailpipe. You don't see the, the, the NOx is, is not a visual. You see the unburnt hydrocarbons that turns into basically plant food. And that black stuff is what's offensive to people. So, and again, like going back to guns, you throw the guy in prison that pulled the trigger. That makes sense to me. Now, if there's some, whatever it is, it is. If it's a dude that hasn't maintained his vehicle and the air filters, you know, got an inch full of dirt on it and the thing can't breathe air in, that guy needs to get a ticket because he's not properly maintaining his vehicle and because his air filter's plugged or his fuel filter's plugged and it's got no fuel supply pressure, it's all smoky and garbagey. They look at that like he's trying to be a hot rod. They don't know that this dude's maintenance schedule is so, so antiquated that if he changed a fuel filter and oil filter, that truck wouldn't smoke. So my opinion is pull the dude over. You see a truck smoking, you pull him over and you write him a fat ticket. Nobody wants to get pulled over for no insurance, right? You, you didn't sue um, the guy that sold him the car at the Honda dealership. You didn't go after the Honda dealer for like letting this guy drive away with no insurance. You went after the driver. You gave them a five, six, $700 ticket, and all of a sudden, everybody wants to get insurance. Well, that's what we should do in the diesel world, too, is ticket the guy that's driving either like an idiot or not maintaining his vehicles. And I'm going to do my very best to try and like get all the smoke off the streets. I'm just going to make parts that don't smoke, period. Make parts that are tested and do my very, very, very best to try and keep the diesel industry alive and get it to where when diesel's done correctly, it can save this planet. The air fuel ratio of diesel is much more efficient than gasoline. So we can propel people, bodies, parts, bread, steak, whatever. We can do that cost effectively better with diesel than we can gas. But we can't do it if immature or lazy people continue making black smoke the cool thing. And man, I tell you, like I, when I see those videos pop up on my YouTube feed and it's just people out like destructing other people's property, I, I, I just want to be a cop. I just want to roll in and be like, hey, guys, like, look, I know what it's like to drive 1,500 horsepower. You don't. You're not flexing on nobody. I mean, real quick story. This is, I'm going to get off that bandwagon. Uh, you know, I go to UCC and I see Dirty Hooker. Those guys killed it. Like, they they worked so hard. They deserved everything they got. And they do that every year. Um, I see a bunch of others drag racing, sled pulling, and UCC competitors that have done top one or 2% work across from sea to shining sea in this blessed America, right? We're Americans with freedoms and we all earn good enough money that we get to go to the UCC and watch that stuff or even be a part of it. And that's awesome. I drive from UCC back to here 
and I get on this highway 95 and I'm tired, man. Like I just drove 2000 miles towing a 40 foot trailer with two trucks on the trailer and my truck don't smoke at all. Not one little bit does my truck smoke. So I I'm on 95 and the very first stoplight I roll up to, I can hear there's a Dodge VE. So 89 to 93. And I'm, I'm just like, man, I hope this guy listening to a VE in this neighborhood, I'm already like, I hope this is some super clean, all original truck. And I turn and I look and it's in a Ford with a VE Cummins in it. Right. And instantly I'm like, this dude sees these trucks and this guy thinks he's cool. And I guarantee that he's going to like roll coal. Light turns green. I can't race nobody. I've got a 40 foot trailer, two trucks on. I'm not racing nobody. I start rolling out of the stoplight and instantly I hear. Burr, 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 and he's just oral in the coal out. And I'm like, I haven't been back in my city for 35 <laughs> seconds. And this dude is trying to impress me. He's trying to flex on me like, yeah, bro, you know who I am. And I'm like, no, because 2000 miles ago, I was with the world's greatest diesel guys. And none of that stuff smoked like this POS right next to me that never had a DPF on it. Those guys are the problems. I say we pull those guys over, give them $700 tickets, $1,000 tickets, Take their registration away until they fix it. That's what we need to do. Fix it. If that guy can't fix his truck and you give him five, $700 tickets, he's going to spend a lot of money trying to figure out what to do with that truck. These guys are like, oh, well, you know, I'd rather buy cheap Chinese parts that smoke rather than buy something good that's made in America by Americans, taxpaying Americans. And instead of buying good parts, they'd rather buy Chinese garbage that's miserable and doesn't make any power. Like, does it make more in a stock? Sure. But the output of smoke versus the increase in horsepower, the the weight ratio there, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. But they're cheap. You yeah. give that a $700 ticket, all of a sudden he's like, man, I better buy some good parts. One of the things I was thinking of <clears throat> is if, if I take my diesel enthusiast hat off. And I think about just driving around the city I live in and most vehicles on the road are gas. So there is, you don't see anything, but when you see that one old car or maybe it's a 10 or 15 year old truck or something, and it's at a light and it's a gas truck and you see that white haze or that bluish haze and it takes off and it fogs the intersection. It draws everyone's attention to it because you don't, you're not used to it. And you're like, well, he needs to fix his vehicle or she needs to yeah. fix her vehicle. And now all this stuff's blowing in through my AC. I got to switch it to circulate on the inside and you just don't want to smell it. Right. And so I think for someone who isn't enthusiast, isn't around them, they don't really care. I imagine it's kind of like that because I'll pick up on that, you know, driving around, I'll see one of those cars or trucks and it's just blowing, you know, not diesel smoke, but whatever's coming out of the tailpipe of this gas vehicle. I imagine it's very similar for the general population out there, but you know, you see an F-250 or a 2,500 Ram or a Duramax and it's probably how they perceive it. It is like that's, I mean, there's a lot of things on this planet that I'm not a specialist in. I'm good with diesel and I understand like internal combustion engines pretty fair. So I want to help. Like I want to be, I want to be somebody that actually tried to help change the planet for the better. And I know in my heart of hearts that we can go dig up lithium and, and all these other chemicals out of the ground that we can't renew. And we can generate these batteries. We can manufacture batteries. And, you know, like my, my iPhone, like battery doesn't really come out of it very often. But when it does, there's no re, you can't repurpose that battery. It's now trash. Where do you get rid of it? It's poisonous. It's got a bunch of chemicals within it. Then you turn it in. What do they do with it? It's not being, it's not a lead acid battery. They're not recycling it. So all of these vehicles with these super fancy batteries, no matter what they find for technology, like each one of those, each one of those chemicals in those batteries has a property that's very stable. 
when you blend them together, you can you can use more of this, you get more longevity, you use more of this, you get more power. Pretty soon you're going to run out of those and you've got these huge mines with all this stuff that should be in the core of the planet that we shouldn't be playing with. And now it's, you know, it's like tailings on top of this mine. So it's a pollutant right out of the gate. I know in my heart of hearts, like we pull diesel out and we get it to where the penalties on drivers and owners are strict enough that they don't want to abuse the system and they want to think more intelligently. They start to drive vehicles more efficiently. Um, if we can, if I can be a part of that and help people, I would love to, you know, there's other governments that use little uh, Isuzu pickup trucks. They call them like the D-Max thing. And those things, they smoke like crazy at like 5,000 feet elevation. But in this country, they go from sea level to 5,000 feet elevation. And that little tiny cop truck smokes like crazy upstairs. I know that I could fix that. I know I could. Like when you tell me, oh, well, you know, I look at this old IDI pickup truck and it's sitting there with a the blue or a white idle haze. Instantly, I'm like, well, it's poor atomization, it's retarded injection timing, or it's low fuel supply pressure. Well, what do you do? You look at fuel supply pressure, try and add some. You add some timing. If that doesn't fix it, then it's poor atomization. And with when you take the technology that we have in this building right now today, and you put that back in a time machine to 1985, then we could have fixed all of those trucks clear back then. And some of these other third world countries that are still purchasing that same style injection system on brand new vehicles because they don't have the emission systems that we have here, those trucks, because the planet is a big globe with air all around it, right? We need to be worried about like all of the trucks, not just the ones on your city street, all those are the offensive ones, right? We need to be worried about like all the trucks everywhere. Mexico City, their air quality is horrible. They also have really low pressure antiquated diesel injection systems and every restaurant in mexico city like when the restaurant takes all of its air through the the kitchen fan where does it put it, it pumps in the street well, bacon doesn't burn that clean everybody in mexico city is eating if they had catalytic converters on all of those buildings they would clean up like a lot of their smog and their emissions and their pollutants like i'm a i'm a thinker i'm not just like I'm not here to like blame somebody or or try and take the blame or whatever. Like I try and think about the planet and like, what are we really going to do to keep this planet alive as long as possible and keep people here as healthy as possible? You can do it and have fun. You just got to think. And no matter what you do, no matter what your uh, team is, like we should all be on the same team. And if we are, then people are going to respect one another's theories. We're going to do a lot of testing. We're going to come up with solutions and that, you know, now that I've made fun of like coal rollers for long enough, now that I've talked to, you know, about UCC, now that I've, you know, kind of bragged about like EDM and then extrude honing and AFM in which on the green screen behind me, we're going to try this for the first time ever. <laughs> I want to show you a picture right now of an EDM hole only. Okay. So now that we've seen that picture, hopefully it shows up. <laughs> like it's right now behind me. So this is a real mind game to me. So this is an, a factory style EDM picture. And now that should be a picture of an aftermarket EDM nozzle. And you can see that there's a bunch more welding schlag inside of it. It's just a piece of trash. But that's the kind of stuff that was a cheap EDM to go in and chase a factory hole. And it would blow a bunch of trash inside there. And it really disturbed the fuel atomization it created really large droplet sizes and really large droplet sizes don't burn until extreme amounts of heat so that is that now this is a picture of an extrude hone nozzle that was factory edm'd and you can see that it's really smooth really slick very polished and it's got some k factor now that spray orifice that we're looking at is about 47 thousandths thick like the rifle barrel is basically 47 thousandths of an inch now if i take this hole and i add too much extrude hone i basically turn it into the shape of a uh, sugar cone meaning kind of like a v right and inadvertently what that does is it takes the rifle really long barrel and it shortens it up and it makes it like a sawed off shotgun so the trajectory is just a very open blast 
and each one of our pistons has a combustion bowl in it, we need to use all of the oxygen in the bowl to be 100% efficient. Now, if we do the sawed off shotgun thing, the fuel atomizes very, very well, but it doesn't penetrate into the pocket. So it leaves a bunch of oxygen molecules in the pistons bowl, and those oxygen molecules don't get burned because it's only going to burn the ones that it penetrates into. So if we start atomizing too well and we, we burn before we get to the in, in the bowl of the pocket, we're not using all the oxygen. So it's back to the 47,000th thing with AFM, which is a real bugger. AFM is like, like I've seen dudes almost fight in this building over it. <laughs> a couple of tenths of a thousandth of an inch in EDM wire. If we're trying to get this much millimeters cubed, we can do it with this much wire and this much AFM, or we can do it with this much wire and this much AFM. And there's a recipe that it takes us hours to figure out. And that's with the tools being side by side by side by side with a bunch of bore scopes and things like we can do things very efficiently here. OEMs probably don't have that ability even in the same building. I can come up with solutions in hours that might take OEMs weeks or months to figure out. We don't have the ability to do the, the mass quantity, but I could help design parts for a lot of people. And rewinding all of our early style Dodge diesel, Ford diesel, Chevy diesel tractors, all of those nozzles that were made in the 80s and 90s, they weren't using any of this AFM stuff. They weren't using extrude home. They were just blowing a hole in it and it would spray. And then they're like, well, you know, if we increase the pressure, yeah, you can do that too. Increasing the pressure works. But AFM plus increased pressure really works. And that's when things get super clean. Now, what I also have learned is problematic trucks that hurt D DPFs and EGR systems if you get the injectors out of them, if the injectors told, I need you to fire right now, but it can't because it's like slow, it's got trash inside of it. It's slow. It's dirty. Um, when you tell it to turn on and stay on for 1800 microseconds, if it was 200 microseconds slow, it's still on for 1800. That means it ends at 2000 microseconds after it was told to fire. It screws up EGR valves. It screws up DPFs. The other thing that I've noticed is the really big rig stuff is notorious. You get into a semi-truck and, and a driver gets in it and it shakes and he's like, it's a big diesel. It's supposed to do that. No. If you balance the injectors, just like we do with our pickup truck stuff, that thing will run as smooth as glass and it'll be mind blowing for an owner operator. He'll be like, man, this thing's never done this. But he's also going to notice that the DPF and EGR life is increased. So these are things that we stumble across every day doing our jobs correctly. Like we're trying to find solutions every single day right here that make the world a better place. And I'm, you know, we keep talking about these tools I'm buying. That's, it's such a big undertaking for me that all of this stuff that we're, you know, on these pictures back here, like it's all cool. And I'm, I've learned a lot, but it's uh, it's just a massive undertaking. It's it's really it's, it's entertaining to be me right now. I'm I'm kind of going out of my mind with all the stuff. <laughs> I think it's a really it's a really good point. What I was thinking about <clears throat> when you were talking about uh, vehicles in Mexico City or other parts of the world. So whenever we cover emissions topics, um, anything that's going on related to it, there's always a ton of comments that say, "Well, what about you know." China or what about the Middle East or what about South America or what about these other parts of the world, which I think is people saying, hey, this isn't just a, a, a problem in the United States. We can completely clean up our air, um, do these things to vehicles to lower emissions, but there's these other parts of the globe that are polluting or don't have the same standards and it's just a cycle. So they get frustrated with it because they see Hey, I have to abide by these things. I have to, um, you know, quote unquote, do my part, but these billions of other people don't. So how is that really benefiting the environment? So there's a lot of frustration. And I think that what you talked about is trying to make solutions for not just the trucks we drive here, but solutions for everyone is really going to resonate with them. I think the challenge with it, and this is probably a lot of human nature is we tend to think locally because another side that I'll see with comments is they'll say, well, my county doesn't do emissions. 
My city doesn't do emissions. I live in an unincorporated area. My state doesn't do diesel emissions. Why do I care what they do in California? Why do I care what they do in Colorado? Why do I care what they do in Arizona? And so you have these two competing things that kind of... (laughs) That that attitude, that, that guy that says my county doesn't do emissions is the problem. That guy is the problem because what he's gonna do is he's gonna drive to a city or a congressman or an EPA agent or somebody's wife, the mayor's wife pulls up and sees your truck rolling coal. And she calls the hubby and goes, hey, this white whatever, blah, 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 black smoke all over. And he goes, okay, I'll talk to the city. And then all of a sudden the cops are out looking for this white truck rolling coal everywhere, right? You don't realize how much those trucks, your attitude, that's the problem. Just because you're not in the city and you're not you're not held to an emission standard doesn't mean you shouldn't hold yourself to a standard. That's like saying, like, look, I'm going to go sit down with my grandma and I'm going to eat using proper etiquette. I'm not going to have my arms on the table. I'm going to use my, my, my fork, my fork, everything. My napkin goes in my lap. I'm not going to belch or fart. You're going to use good, proper table manners. Now, just because you're with your buddy on a hunting trip, and you go to a nice steak restaurant doesn't mean that you don't eat just like you're eating with your grandma. You should. That's not respect for your buddy. That's respect for yourself because you're being judged on everything you do every day. And then you're going to have a guy that, and this is unfortunate because there's people that say this, I don't give an F what anybody thinks. That's a dangerous dude. He's not going up in life ever. And he's dangerous to be around because he truly might not. And if he doesn't, and you're around him, he's taking you down with him or she, whatever. But yeah, those people, those are the problems, man. Like it's not, there's so many different things that are hot topics right now. And, you know, this, this industry that we're in, like, anyway, finish up what you were saying. I'm sorry to interrupt that. Well, I think the toughest part and I've never done a full podcast on it, but there is an energy war that's taking place between electric and internal combustion engines. And we see this with different States where some of them are banning them for sale by a certain time frame, and, and this push for stuff. And so it, it can be sort of frustrating um, to, to see it because I, I don't know how much the average person might pay attention to it. I don't know how much they might think about it. And the only way that I really do is by talking with so many different people. So, you know, the guy who says, well, I don't care. They don't do emissions in my county. Well, I just did an episode with a guy who builds parts in a completely different state that lost his business because of something or whatever story might be going on at that time. So they're all related. But I think the bigger picture, and you talked about at the very beginning when you talked about wanting you know, clean trucks or tractors or combines, any of that stuff is there is this, I don't want to call it a revolution or an evolution, but there is a tremendous push to change the way that we power our vehicles and transportation. And so I think what you're doing, you know, as a company and yourself, people are going to look back on it. I don't know how far in the future, and they're really going to appreciate it um, because it's going to be needed. Like, I believe in what you said. I believed in the the uh, efficiency um, of, of money, of transportation, of hauling things. And the way guys use trucks at the farm, the way they use them for their construction business. I know a lot of guys in those trades, they use diesel trucks because they're efficient. I mean, they do love them, but you know, that, that's why they do it. So I think it's incredibly important to think about that as an enthusiast when they hear conversations like this, maybe not even on this podcast, could be on any podcast. When you hear that sort of stuff, it's, it's not just somebody trying to do a sales pitch or somebody just trying to highlight something like there is real, there's real forces at work in, in changing the way that we power the world. So when you're doing these things or talking about smoke or talking about making this 30 year old truck run better, or making this brand new truck run better, it's for a bigger purpose. And I think if listeners think about it in those terms, um, a lot of this will make more sense. And we see it in other things too, not just injectors. We see it in turbos. We see it in other components of the engine and tuning. I think that's what the forward thinkers and the people who are really leading this are trying to do is say, Hey, we can give you better performance, better efficiency, better mileage, 
And it's not just because that's the other thing I hear too, is people say, oh, well, they're just bowing down to the EPA. Are they really? Or are they trying to make these vehicles more efficient so they last, so they're viable 25 years from now? We're not all plugging in our vehicles. So I'm, I'm, I know that's a whole podcast in itself, but that really got me thinking with, with what you were saying about efficiency and what you're trying to do. So when when somebody says like, look, we're all going to be, you know, from a three quarter ton and smaller, everything in this state that's going to be sold new by X year is uh, is going to be electric. Well, I mean, that's a that's a real tall glass to try and fill because now you've got certain infrastructures that will not support it. And right now, Washington State example, uh, they've got seven hydroelectric projects that you know they can generate thousands of megawatts they got the columbia river which flows on the average 120 cubic thousand feet of water per second that's a lot of power and when you can drive that many hydro turbines you can make a lot of electricity alternating current electricity does not store it doesn't go into battery in order to put it into a battery it has to be converted into dc and when you make the transition from ac to dc there's a loss and when you put it in a battery because you've lost that energy, which magically you didn't see it, it just happened. Now that battery's charged. And if I lived in Seattle or Portland or a really small area, then I may want a battery powered vehicle because like, look, it starts and it runs and my commutes are like one to a half mile, maybe a mile, maybe two miles. That charge would probably last a good long time. But if I live in say, Washington, and I work in Wenatchee, Washington, which would be a pretty popular commute. That's like, a, depending on how far up the valley you are, that might be 45 miles each way. Well, now I go home and I plug in my car, or I go to work and I plug in my car, and uh, I'm using 40 amps for approximately seven hours. Now, if everybody in town has a car that's using 40 amps of power, that's virtually, you know, a lot of home services are going to be 125 to 200 amps. You might be using 25% of all your home's power cap capacity for seven hours straight. So now you've got a little lady that lives in a single wide or double wide. And the, uh, the insulation factor is not very good. So in Wenatchee, Washington for two to three weeks a year, it's over a hundred degrees. Well, now, if everybody in town has one of these cars, they're going to have to do like rolling brownouts. Somebody's going to have no electricity for a few hours today. And is it your grandma on a single wide? Because if so, she's going to be 100 and some degrees in there. And I don't think that 75, 80-year-old women really hold up very well. And all of a sudden, you don't get a phone call from grandma that evening because she's passed out on the floor. Like, that's not fair. You can't, you can't just come in and punch people with like these mandates without thinking about all repercussions. Now, oh, well, you know, like electricity in Washington is really cheap. Well, it is today. But when everybody's using that much of it, supply and demand, right? Like we both know that demand is going to go up. Supply is going to remain the same. Cost will go up as well. Okay, well, that's going to cause another problem. Yep, sure enough. So you're, you're mandated to go buy a twenty-five dollars or a $50,000 or $100,000 electric car. And your electric bill that used to be $200 a month is now possibly $1,000 a month because supply and demand. Now, one of them cars goes four to five years and it needs a battery. How much is the battery? Well, it's half the price of the car. What? I haven't even paid off the car yet. And you're arguing, what? I haven't paid off the car. I can't afford to buy a $20,000 battery. It's your problem, not mine. So we can't do these things in the, in the time that we're given. We can't. But what we need to do is we need to use the technology and the fuels available like you know, like the, the other hot topic is, uh, well, the, uh, the hydrogen. Like, well, I mean, I've done a lot of study on that too. It's really quiet. Well, it makes lower cylinder pressure. It should be quiet. And they give you just enough to run like in a, a loader. Um, they're going to give you like seven or eight hours with. And then at the end of that, it sits there and it waits for a truck to come up and pump it full. And then, you know, you get it pumped full and tomorrow you can run for another seven or eight hours. And then the truck has to go. It's basically a great big propane truck that charges your fuel cell with hydrogen. Well, then the byproduct of hydrogen is water. All right, cool. Let's go to Sealy Lake, Montana. 
everybody in the city of the lake now drives a hydrogen powered vehicle what's well, minus 10 to 40 for two three months every vehicle in that town is now hydrogen powered and every vehicle in that town is currently leaking water out the tailpipe at minus 25 well guess what's going to happen tailpipe's going to freeze up car is going to stop it's minus 25 you ever walked at minus 25 for three blocks no. you might end up with uh um you might end up losing your senses and not walking home that's a real thing like you it's besides that even if the tailpipe doesn't freeze up every one of them is still leaking water out the tailpipe and the roads are constantly covered nice again i'm not the smartest guy but i really try and look at all the different options and try and figure out like what's best sorry I don't think that diesel being abused is best. I don't think the gas being abused is best, but it is constantly creating its own self time and time and time again. So it's a natural gas, like the planet's going to continue making it. So it really is kind of a renewable resource and trees need some of the pollutants to actually grow. So if we can really focus on technology and spending as many dollars on the fuels that we have options to use, I think that our long-term end game for this planet ends up being really awesome. But we, you and I, if we don't see eye to eye, we can't just disagree. We have to go, well, I've got a point and I've got a point. Let's figure out like where the middle is. That's what has to happen. Everybody's got to come to the table with an open mind saying, okay, you've got a concern of that. Let me and my team figure out like how to overcome that concern. I've got a concern of this. You guys get to work on that. That's how things are going to get done. And we can't just do it by dictating to anybody. Moving on real quick. Like we're, we're done talking about diesel and hydrogen and batteries. <laughs> we're done talking about like, I'm done making fun of like coal rollers, even though I still want to make fun of all of them more. <laughs> now I want to talk about my crew. Like me, myself and I, I can run 10 dudes pretty efficiently Everybody's attitudes are good. Everybody has fun in this building and we're productive. I get to 12 and I start to lose control. Like I get spread too thin and then need, none of the guys end up with enough attention to really stay 100% on point. That becomes a problem. I've had as many as 20 employees and that thing imploded on itself. And I was too young, too egotistical and too immature to figure out that it was a Lenny problem. Not any, it wasn't their problem. It was mine. Now, with what I'm getting ready to borrow and, you know, my liabilities are going to go way up to the point where I might, I could possibly never retire kind of a thing. Uh, with liabilities going up like that, like I have to really worry about like the rest of my life. I'm not 30 anymore and I don't have a chance to push the reset button and go like hell again. I'll be 50 and I don't have the time to ruin my life one more time and reset it. That being said, I really, you know, driving down the road, I'm thinking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What If you're going to change the planet for the better, you've got to do this. But if you do it, you risk possibly being 75, 80 years old and working until the day you just don't get up. That doesn't sound very fun to me. I haven't taken very many vacations in life yet. I really want to take a vacation someday. Oh, yeah, figure it out. So I'm listening to uh, TED Talks Jocko Willenick, you know. And I asked my guys, I'm like, anybody know who Jocko is? And they're like, nah, all right, cool. I'm into that stuff. They're not, no big deal. So we pull up the TED talk and he, he goes into extreme ownership and talks about like a friendly fire uh, mission that he was on. And he was the guy running the show and uh, the show turned to shit. They, they, in friendly fire, they killed a, a soldier, got a few more wounded, just a, a big bag of shit, right? He goes back and the story goes like his commanding officer, an investigator, um, they basically said, stop all, any, stop all operations, come see us right away and we're going to do a debriefing. So he starts like writing down whose fault it was, like who did what wrong, how did it go? And at the end of that, he's like, you know, something felt wrong. Then it hit me. I knew what the problem was. So he heads into the debriefing and everybody's there. He's got a seal of his that's got, you know, taped and textured and he's all, he's bandaged up because he took a shot and he looks at all these guys and he basically says, look, I know whose fault it was. It was mine. 
And every one of them guys is like, actually, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. And every one of them did something that was improper. But Jocko then with extreme ownership says, no, thanks for trying to take the blame. It's my fault. I was your commanding officer. This shouldn't happen on my watch no matter what. 18 minutes later, I look in the room and I go, all right, guys, there's been kind of a rub going on in this shop. If I would have asked every one of you guys 18 minutes ago, who was at fault or what was going on? And I asked every single one of you guys right now, would you give me the same story 18 minutes ago as now? Or would the story be different? And every guy was like, yeah, it'd be different now. Perfect. Then we got something out of this. Like we just learned something. So another gal that I like to watch is that Mel Robbins. She's a psychologist. She's written a couple of books, super sharp, uh, follow on Instagram and stuff, but it, it's, it's entertaining for me and I'm not a very smart guy. So I need entertainment. One of her things is like, um, our brain, let's just say there's like 10 billion brain cells and every single thing that happens to you every single day, half of those brain cells respond instantly. And it's usually the negative ones. I spill milk instantly. I could go, ah, crap, I spilled milk, kick rocks. Or her thing is you spill the milk and you say five, four, three, two, one. And the other side of the brain wakes up. And with that side of the brain being woken up, this side can't be in control anymore. So instead of saying, oh, crap, I spilled milk, you instantly go, towel, please. All right, now that I have the talent, now that I've cleaned up the milk, can I get another glass of milk? No big deal. I told my guys, I said, if you really want to earn the respect of the people in this building and in the rest of your life, then every single thing that happens to you today and tomorrow and the next day, all the challenges you turn into opportunities. And these opportunities will come as challenges, every single one of them. And instantly, the 5 billion brain cells going crap. I don't like this. If you shut them up and you ask the other ones to come to the party, everybody in the room is going to start seeing it. And all of our problems as a team will vanish today. Lo and behold, it worked. All of a sudden, my team is down there with smiles on their faces and they're getting along and nobody's pointing the finger at everybody else. They just look at all these challenges and it's like, well, I got this challenge. It's an opportunity now. Because as I explained to these guys, like, look, every single diesel injection shop, every single farm, every single anything on this planet has employees with challenges every single day. And if my guys are throwing injectors and socket wrenches at each other, we're not building the highest quality parts and we're not making progress for tomorrow. So I asked all my guys to start thinking this way. Like when something goes sideways, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, now what? You've just woken up the analytical side of your brain, not the, and you've shut up the emotional side. It works. It's been, I've been using it for like five or so years, probably. It works. It's a thing. And if I start falling off of it, I catch myself because I'm like, ah, crap, ah, this, ah, that, ah, I hate this, I hate that. But as soon as I get back on the five, four, three, two, one thing, my problems start to vanish. And I start to look at challenges like these are opportunities again. So that's our business lesson for this week. Like, that's what I got. That's really cool though. Cause I'm going to use that. <clears throat> there was a, it's really interesting. You bring that up because the other day I was doing a podcast and something technological happened and I'm like pissed off. You know, I'm like, really? I've been waiting to do this one. This happened like really this, you know, it just kind of ruined my whole afternoon. Right. And, yeah. but it took like four hours and then I'm like, wait, I can fix this. I can go back in, I can do this and it'll all be okay. But I wasted four hours being pissed yeah. off and being like, what did I do to the universe that this thing shut off right at this time? But there's, that's, that's a really good point that I maybe thought about, but not, not as concrete as you'd mentioned uh, that that lady, you know, kind of outlined it. So I think that's a really good technique to, to be able to use for, well, it works. Not Basically just like <laughs> if, and this is just me being like me, right? Like if you and I sit down at a bar, we, you come to my house and we drink beer and we drink so many beers that neither one of us can stand up. And I look at you and I go, Patrick, count. 
you were raised in in English, so instantly you go one, two, three, four, five. You might say it a little slower, but you definitely get it. Because the moment that you were taught to count, you were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. And now, no matter how drunk or how unconscious you are, your brain doesn't even need to wake itself up and it can do that. But the moment I say, Patrick, count backwards. Now, drunk, you're going to be like, five, shit. Uh, two? Nope, you weren't there, buddy. Five, <laughs> four, three, two, one. All of a sudden, the entire side of your brain that you weren't using wakes up, says, I'm here. You guys can go sit down. And it it just changes things. Like it it truthfully, analytically turns on something in your brain that I'm, other than Mel Robbins explaining it, like I was just like, I'll try it. It's cheap. It's free. And it seems real easy. And when somebody walks in here and goes, ah, oh, you know, I just did this and it's something big. I'm like, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Um, let's go with, uh, how do we fix it? How do we make it not happen again? And the opportunity, even though it may cost us a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks or 3000 bucks, if I get mad at the guy and we don't come to a solution, that's a true resolution. Then the next day, guess what he says? Hey, guess what I broke? Yep. Kidding me. You did it again. Now I'm mad again. We didn't come up. All right. The next day, guess what I broke? You're kidding me. Like, did your mother have any children that actually used oxygen? Like, that's what I want to know. But if I say five, four, three, two, one, how did you break it? All right. Let's come up with a real plan to eliminate all possibilities of you doing that again. Okay. Now, if that dude breaks it after we come up with a real game plan, I got to talk to him about his future employment. I enjoy it. And this crew, I've got some of the most intelligent souls that I've ever worked with. And I've got some of the most prideful guys here. When one guy messes up here, these guys really get down on it. It's not even, it's not pretty. Like they shun him. It's not fun. That guy hates his life. So my thing to them right now is all right if a guy's messing up instead of shunning him and pushing him outside of the pack why don't you get even closer to him and help him design a way that he can't screw it up anymore give him more training give him more whatever and if he can't 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 get it and some people can't then you pull him in and you say look man here's what we're doing here's what we've tried is there anything more you can do to contribute to this to make things better? Because I can't have you tearing apart the rest of my shop because my guys hate seeing your your quality work. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a new conversation. That's between you and the boss, man, and your future employment and your opportunity to, to be a greeter at the Walmart. Like, that's a new opportunity. But you can't just get mad at people. It doesn't work. It doesn't it, It's just not going to be that way. And if we're ever going to fix this planet, like everybody that's way outside of my pay grade, they need to start thinking the same way. There's a lot of really good lessons. I got a lot to take away from this one. Got some personal stuff, some five, four, three, two, one, and some uh, <laughs> some other things. Lenny says, "Cool, cool to catch up with you today and uh, talk about some really cool stuff, some big things that uh, the industry, you know, is facing and, and ways to have a different perspective, which I think we all need." So. As always, it was great to chat with you. Likewise, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. Don't forget, Diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. If you're in the market for a quality knife for hunting, fishing, EDC, around the job site, around the house, they've definitely got you covered with a bunch of different choices. 2023 has been a big year for them, and... Um, you know, with a bunch of new releases that they've had. One of their more recent ones is the Duralock models, which have a really nice opening mechanism. It's very smooth, and then the blade's made out of D2 steel. So if you're in the market, use code 23diesel20, get some quality gear, and um, show them some support for supporting you guys, supporting the podcast, and be able to get some you know, nice knife for EDC or something to work hard every day. I also want to give a shout-out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen at 23diesel, J. Cole, John, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who, who subscribe on uh, YouTube podcast apps or on our Discord, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. We appreciate all the support you guys have given us for seven years in the Diesel Podcast and look forward to bringing you more of the topics and guests 
that you want to hear from in 2023. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.